And that's actually how I accidentally went infinite without Ghostly Flicker even in the deck. Oh, sorry, one sec. Oh, hey, James. Did I hear you say you went infinite? Aren't you at the snow? Yeah, I'm on a chairlift. It's fine. I'm multitasking. I was just explaining that uh, accidental dual caster mage combo with Molten Echoes. Oh, that one again. God, he goes infinite with one card and thinks he's got. All right, I, I, I'm just in a game, man. I, I better get back to it. All right, well, I gotta go eat snow anyway. Okay, I'll, I'll catch you soon, man. Yeah, you too. Yeah. All right, bye, man. Yeah, catch you, man. Have a good one, dude. Yeah, you, you too, big boy. <laughs> Toodle pip. Yep, same. Cheerio, then. Yeah, ha have good snow. I will, you too. Okay, bye, man. Bye. Oh, wait, well, that combo works way better. Oh, he hung up. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC, helping you to have better games with Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. It is me, your other host, James. And already, because of that incredible long skit, <laughs> we're throwing a page. Yes, we are. That's, that's actually... <laughs> Done. A, hey, third, a third of the podcast. This one's well, going to be exactly six minutes long oh uh, my Lord. altogether. I mean, by the that wasn't actually a skit. That was just a recording of an actual phone call we had. <laughs> <laughs> I'd believe it. I mean, you are basically living at the snow uh, yeah. at the moment. For those who don't... Yeah, look, there's a bit of a running gag where James eats snow. I wasn't even there for the original, but James said it was important to I him that we even, talk about it. I can't so. even remember where the joke came from. It's just now that every time I'm at the snow, I get text messages being like, does the snow test good? <laughs> I'm like, it's frozen water. It's uh, who even knows? <laughs> no it's, idea. Uh, typical of our, of our community. Hey, have. did you see in our inbox, we have yet another email from the Space Commanders? Oh, we do. So it's yep. an incoming transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. Sometimes it is time to say farewell to one of our decks. Oh, I hate this is a goodbye episode. This... Yeah, like the phone call. Yeah. It's a time where we say farewell. Cheerio. Goodbye. Toodle pip. As you said. Um, this is actually a sneak peek, James, at our Q&A episode, which is only one episode away now. Finally, I can say it's next episode. Yes. <laughs> I can finally say you next the gun episode. A bit that last time, but it's actually time now. Uh, so this is actually a question that I was already thinking about. And then a couple of our community members, specifically, um, uh, Aaron asked, when should you retire a deck? Uh, or something like that. I'm just rephrasing for clarity. Uh, and Jordan asked which decks have Walt and James disassembled. So I thought Ooh, let's have a let's have a full episode about because you know like obviously we love building decks. Me and you are, are notable for we, having we a have lot a of big decks. collection. Big yes. collection. Uh, I've got thirteen. I think you counted yours and you're at. I'm at fourteen now. Fourteen. And, and I'm not sure if you remember this, but like to give an example of this, and I might even put this in the comment on our Facebook group, the photo that we took through lockdown of oh. all of the decks we'd built on a coffee table. Do you remember that photo? I do remember that photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, we can't. When we laid them all out, it was one of those moments where we we stood up and went. <sighs> Okay, that's a lot of decks. <laughs> yeah, it really put it in perspective. I, I, it was me and you, and also my partner. Um, yeah, at the your time partner as well. at the time, yeah. and I think collectively we already were probably around the twenty mark. I reckon. Oh, easily. And we've gotten easily. a lot further since then. Um, but funnily enough, also when I look at that photo, um, and we often both have this mm. thing. There's a few decks in that photo that we no longer have. There's a lot of decks in there that don't exist anymore. Yeah. A lot, actually. I, I'm really interested. I might, after this podcast, bring it up and we can have a look and see 
if like through this podcast we'd missed a deck that we were meant to talk about but i'll put it up in the comments on our facebook group and if you're not a member on our facebook group yet and you're listening to this out in the interwebs greensburg commander community that's where you can find us on facebook just answer yep. the few prompts when you join in and you can come play with us for sure for sure um well look if we are going to disassemble a deck why would we do it i think the the short answer um that's pretty obvious and probably what some people are going to be thinking straight away is it's not fun anymore right we play commander to have fun mm. sometimes our decks get to a certain way where we're not like no longer having fun and so i sort of thought as a focus let's try and think of the ways in which decks stop being fun for us interesting because i mean to call back to the very first episode of this podcast and the reason why we're making this podcast it's to make sure we're having better and more enjoyable commander games. Yeah. And this is, unfortunately, as much as it pains, you know, myself to take apart a deck or seeing you disassemble one of my favorite decks of yours, it's a necessary part of that process. And there's there's plenty of reasons why you would want to disassemble it. And yeah, we'll run through a bunch of different ways and we'll talk about some examples of our own, try and answer both sides of the coins of the question here. But yeah, there's heaps of different ways. And I, and I think the main way is, yeah, you stop enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so look, I, I think... That, that's going to be the core theme that's going to recur, right? So if the deck is no longer fun, uh, I think it's also worth mentioning that it's often if a deck no longer becomes fun for the people you play with, that's mm. also going to be a thing. But look, I think mostly decks can fall into one of these three categories, I think, are the main ones. Yeah. At least for me that, that I've um, encountered of why I've decided to disassemble my decks. Um, and the first one is that the deck is the same every time that I play it. Yeah. So some commanders, I think in particular, mean that we build a deck that kind of orients itself towards a destination. And because of the way the commander is designed, or maybe the way that the commander implies you should build the deck, we sort of end up playing kind of the same game. We get yeah. deja vu, right? We're looking at the cards and we're like, these cards are different, but I feel the same. Or if I play the cards in the exact same way I just played them, it'll turn out the same and I'll get the same result, which is me winning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and look, commander's a singleton format. And I think we probably agree that that's what makes it so fun, right? You can have oh, yeah. wildly different games of commander where you draw some cards and not other and every drawer is you know oh what am i gonna get oh that's that card yeah, yeah exactly like if we, if we wanted to have exactly the same experience every time we'd probably lean more towards a 60 card format where you could play four copies right for sure um so my example of a of a commander that's like this that that made me play the same every single time was i had a um and you remember this one i do remember that i can yeah yeah uh crewfix god of horizons yeah i'm getting like a weird uh fond memory of the times that we had playing that deck but also just a painful ugh. do i have to watch walt draw a million cards and create a shitload of mana again like- <laughs> <laughs> it really look so, so those don't know uh he's one of those um theros does uh, gods, indestructible yeah. gods um, where he becomes a creature if you've got a certain devotion that doesn't matter at all on Crufix. you're literally just looking at that line of text where it says if you would lose unspent mana as steps and phases end instead that mana becomes colourless and yeah. it just stays in your mana pool so in other words um, as an example let's say I am holding up counterspell right I've got my two islands or two my two blue mana sources open and the turn cycle goes round I decide not to counter anybody before my turn I just tap those two islands to add two blue to my mana pool and then as we move through phases as we move from the end step to my turn 
that mana just becomes colorless. So when I untap, I've kind of ramped ahead by two mana. It's right? it's look, it's a really good commander and it's yeah. really strong and it's actually really fun to play for certain people too as well. Um, but the thing that I want to give a shout out here is actually a kind of hidden card that does a very similar effect and it's an artifact. So if you like this effect and you're not playing green blue, look up the card Horizon Stone. Uh, it's a colorless artifact that does the exact same uh, thing as Crufix. If you actually mm. look at the flavor text, it, it does mention Crufix, well. yeah. which is really cool. But if you are listening to Walt read out this card and the mechanics, if you like it, go get Horizon Stone, chuck it in your deck. It's a good way to build mana. I run it in Zaxara, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have seen you that if mm. you play that in a deck. Yeah, yeah. So, look, the, the main thing that I was ha- having, the problem I was having, and again, this is a category that I find I see a lot, is... The, the game was playing the same way. So with Crufix, basically you would um, ramp a bunch of times to get a load of mana, you'd cast Crufix, and then you'd have a bunch of instants in your hand so you could respond. Um, the, the counter spells that untapped your lands were particularly good because they basically become free. Yep. Um, and then when you have enough mana, you just cast a big splashy spell. You cast a big Eldrazi, you cast an extra spell... Um, there was a win con that was just Hurricane, the card that deals X damage just... to each player and each creature without flying. So yeah. you just, with flying, sorry. Um, so if you're at the highest life total, you just pay 30 and everyone dies. Um, and look, it, it was stressful for me to hold up mana. It's not really the the way that I deviate towards in when I'm playing Commander. I wonder if you'd change how you play Crufix after listening to our responding episode. I think I probably would. Yeah, I'm I think, curious. Yeah, I think I think I'd be. I think that's how I'd build the deck because I, I I the way that I had the deck originally it was like very much about those mana sinks. Yeah. Um, but I think if I was to build it again, I'd kind of build it as a control list, like just really good rate spells. Yeah. And then yeah, just like hold up responses all game, and then just you know float mana, float mana, float mana until I had loads. But yeah. look, it, even looking back at it again, I don't think I would play it because again. The games always went the same. I was ramp, ramp, hold up mana, big explosion, end game. Yeah, and you you saw me play that. Um, I, I'm sure you said before it was yeah. like pretty pretty much the same experience for you as as a hundred percent. And I I was probably one of the few people that got to play against Walt's Crufix deck because it was about at a time when we we're in lockdown. Uh, it was in between lockdowns, and a lot of it was in lockdown. Thankfully, we could share our little bubble, and we we're in the same place. And yeah, and as an opponent for this, it was because it was one of the few decks you had at the time and it kept coming out. And especially when it was new, when a deck's new, everyone wants to play their new deck over and over again. But as an opponent, it was just really frustrating to sit against because it would play the exact same every single game. And I was switching decks, I was playing different stuff, and it just kept playing the exact same play pattern of ramp, float mana, respond occasionally, blow out the game with one spell. Yeah, it and look... Again, as I alluded to at the start, it, it became less fun for me. And honestly, I could tell it was becoming less fun for my opponents to play against as well. It's really interesting. The The, the play pattern is one part of why it was frustrating. The indestructible part on Crufix was yeah. another reason why it was really frustrating. This was definitely a deck where, um, because we played together so often, me, you... Um, your partner at the time, and uh, occasionally the, the other housemate who shared yeah. the house with us would, would play together. Um, there was kind of a meta. <laughs> it was. Because we only played with each other for so long. Yeah. And I remember you specifically ran. There's that spell from, like, Commander 2020 or something. It's like each player returns their commander to the command zone, I think, or target player returns oh, their commander to the command zone. wash away? Yeah, uh, all commanders they control is the command zone. Yeah, and, uh, something so like that. It's, it's like actually, a three-mana instant or something. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I'll try 
try and find the card that it, that we're talking about. I yeah. remember uh, leadership vacuum. Yes, leadership vacuum yes. is the card. That's, That's the one. I, th- I think it's target player returns because otherwise it'd be way too good. Because I, I remember it was like a three yeah. mana instant. So I think it's target player returns their commander to the command zone. But like you started running that deck because Crufix was almost impossible for you guys to yeah. deal with, and um, then subsequently I got really mad. And this is kind of like that. You know, they sort of call it an arms race online, right? Yeah. Someone's got a really problematic deck or a deck that's just not really gelling with the table. And so everyone sort of clamors to find the silver bullet to beat it. And then you end up being salty as the person who has the deck. The opponents are salty if their silver bullets don't work. Yeah. It just becomes a kind of nasty experience. It was. But like at the same time, it was... I do remember the moment where you said, all right, I'm retiring this deck. But it became such a staple at our little meta table it was kind of upsetting for me to see it disassemble but you then could use those cards elsewhere and they got used somewhere else and we'll talk a little bit about this later but like there is life after death Mm. is the way i'm gonna try and refer to it through this episode because honestly we're probably gonna go down memory lane a lot this episode and i'm already getting like sentimental with like oh i remember the crew fix days and i'm just trying to think james it's okay these cards were put to good use elsewhere (laughs) we're still having fun games at commander exactly we've still got loads of decks (laughs) as well (laughs) probably too many well speaking of that time can can you think because again a lot of these decks that we no longer have were built around that time yeah can can you think of a deck where it was was like this like you every time you played it it felt like the experience was the same and you didn't have fun and your opponents didn't have fun was it was there a deck around this time that was like that for you you yeah and i'm gonna shock everyone here a mono green deck that i built oh Uh, and you know exactly who it is it's galter yeah Yeah. galter primal hunger Yes. Primal Hunger. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I remember because I was looking through the binder um, at the store um, and I saw this gorgeous full art um, version of Galtar. I think it's a promo. If you want to look up the art, I think go it's look a it store promo. Yeah. And it just looked so cool. It was a big dinosaur with a big open mouth. And like the, the normal art of Galtar is he's on his side, but this one's like face on. Yeah, coming towards you. Toothy more open, saliva yeah. dripping, and I was like, We should probably really cool. explain what Galter does. Yeah, so this is another reason why I thought the card was so cool, because it's just a 12-12 for 10 and 2 green. With trample. With trample, which is a big thing. And if it's your commander, 12 damage is a lot of damage yeah. to put on someone, which is, spoiler alert, probably why it plays the goddamn same. <laughs> um, but the main thing that it says is, and this is why it's so repeatable, is this spell cost X less, where X is the total power among creatures you control. Now, specifically, not the greatest power among creatures you control, cumulative. Yeah. It just counts everything. It's crazy. And look, the the thing that happens with um, this interaction with command attacks in particular is really interesting. So, Mm. command attacks... Um, it always applies, right? So you, th- there's there's a few commanders that completely cheat around it because they've got activated abilities and stuff. But Yuriko! Yeah, Yuriko <laughs> Derevi is a good example. But um, Galta does... You do pay the tax. Like, instead of being 10 green green, mm. he will cost 12 green green the second time. But the way that, that casting spells in magic works is you apply additions and then you apply reductions. So you go, okay, now it costs 12 two green, but now it costs... 13 less because I've got 13 power on the board. Now it costs two green again. Yes. And spoiler alert, this was how it would play at the table when I was playing against yeah. it. It would just, it never died. You just, when you thought you were rid of it, James looks at his, his board, does a bit of math. He's like five, six, 11. Yep. 
Uh, green, green. Galta. Galta's back. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and I specifically remember at the time I bought um, one of the unsets. I think it was Unstable. And it came with a bunch of the full art fancy lands. And I specifically remember there was two foils of each colour. And I remember putting the two fancy green foils of the full art in that Galta deck. And I always set it to the side because it was always the manner I used to cast Galta with. <laughs> just like style points? It was just, yeah, 100%. This is, if I'm winning with it, I'm getting style points here. <laughs> but you're totally right. It was the exact same play style every single game. It was a lot of big power, low mana cost creatures. And to be honest, I built this deck out of my own collection as well. I, mm. I bought Galta from the store, came home, built the deck that night, said, does anyone want a game? And I think it was really funny. We ended up playing a 1v1, I think the first ever time we played it. And it was two hits and you were done because commander. Commander yeah. damage. Commander damage. And I didn't really have blockers. And yeah, like I think at that time we hadn't really started buying singles yet. Yeah. Um, shout out to the budget episode yeah, about yeah, yeah. How, where you should be spending your money. But um, yeah, like it was built out of our own collection. Yours was out of your collection. Yeah. Mine was out of mine. And uh, my collection was substantially smaller than yours. This is yeah. the other thing. Like, at the time, that deck was unbeatable. Remember? Nobody could beat that deck. It but... actually ended up being the Arch Enemy deck quite a lot. Yeah. It was like, can anyone kill the Dino? No. Okay, we need to figure out how to give Neg 12, Neg 12 to Galta. Cause... I vividly remember that the, the the time I felt most proud of my Meron deck at the time, which has since been revamped. Oh, the... Not really the same, but I, I mm-hmm. won a 1v1 against you yeah. when you were playing Galta and I was playing Meron. Because of Fleshbag Marauder and Playcraft. Yeah. That's exactly how. <laughs> just, just edict effects. I'm yeah. just like, yep, sack it again, James. Sack and it green, again. And, and Spore you, Frog. Yeah. yeah, and if you want uh, haste in green, Concordant Crossroads is your choice, and that is not a cheap card. No. <laughs> so, like, no, it was one of those decks where I had to get Galtra on field, get to my turn, beat someone in the face. Mm. But the deck played the same every single time, and yep. I think as a player as well, we'll talk a little bit about this later, but it was like beating face wasn't what I was enjoying as well. And there's multiple reasons why I took apart this deck, but it did the exact same every single time. And I just got sick of it. And it sat on a shelf for a really long time until I saw Gull, uh, sorry, Gishath. I was about to say Gull, yeah. but Gishath. And so I saw Gishath, I was like, all right, now I have a reason to disassemble. Galta can go in um, my Gishath deck. So Galta still lives. Yeah, and th- this is going to be a recurring theme, I think, with these um, yeah. these decks that we're disassembling is, and, and I'm going to really stress it <laughs> again and again, it, it's not going to feel that bad, as bad as you think it is, to dis- disassemble a deck because it's almost always going to make room for a new deck that you're going to have. For sure. half the time, you know, most of the time, you're going to want to build a similar kind of deck. Like, I don't know about you, but I often like to fill the slots in my yeah. kind of play, play styles. styles. Yeah. yeah. Um, shout out to the Playstyles episode. Oh my god. Episode 10 is coming at perfect time. It's full. We've covered every topic in season one of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like, you're not going to feel that bad disassembling a deck because yeah. it's going to make room for a new one. And yeah, like, you loved your big dino and he's still there. He's just I, in Gishat now. I've got a different big dino at the helm and now I can play two extra colours. Yeah, cool. it's great. I think, yeah, Galter and um, Crewfix are really good examples of, like, playing the same over and over again. But there's another reason why you could disassemble a deck and it's if the deck works or it doesn't it is like a coin flip 90% of the time that can be a real reason why you'd want to disassemble a deck for sure I, I think um, I think particularly decks where your commander because your commander is always going to be a part of the deck and a, probably a pretty key part of the deck right huge but yeah. sometimes the commander is going to basically either the deck works when you have the commander or the deck doesn't work when you don't yeah um, and that's going to be a big part of this category but yeah just in general if the deck either is on and you feel great 
or it's not working and you're behind and you feel terrible. And you're playing land pass. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're going to more vividly remember because, you know, we play a four-player format. Like, yeah. even a great deck is only going to win about a quarter of games. So, if 75% of the time when we're losing, we're feeling terrible about it, we're not really going to be enjoying most of our games with this deck, right? No. And it's interesting. I'm going to jump in with a Niv-Mizzet story again. I feel like Niv-Mizzet is like Kaza, who's mentioned every episode. Do you see how I managed to squeeze Kaza in here? Oh my god. <laughs> but is it? Is it is the recurring is theme? Is it is the recurring you theme? Devious I man. Wonder why. But <laughs> I, I did want to talk about Niv very quickly about um how it was kind of a little bit of the last category of the deck played the same every time. It just kept drawing cards, kept removing everything, kept pinging things down. And it was also sat in this category as well, that it either works or it doesn't. And I actually remember part of this reason was because we got a rule wrong back in the day. Do you remember uh, um, O-Ring? Oblivion Ring? Yeah. And we completely stuffed up that if the commander is exiled, you can choose to put it back in the command zone. But yeah. Because we were only playing with a couple of people, we didn't know that rule. Oh. So we used to think that if you Oblivion Ringed a commander... It was removing the commander for as long as that enchantment stayed on field. Yeah, like how Oring would work against any other thing. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, that was so funny. We, it was like the best card. It's, it's like that time where um, I remember when we looked up the single. It was like, why aren't people paying more for this? It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Removes your commander forever. Yeah, yeah which is funny because th- there is Oubliette does do that, mm. but it's just funny. That's we had phasing a, though. That's, it is, that, like, yeah. and that's why it works yeah. like that. Yeah, because because we one hundred percent thought that Oring. <laughs> didn't work like every other version of that effect for yeah. some reason that's yeah but like funny. again it was a really close point of you know do i disassemble niv mizzet because it was playing the same every time it had the same problem with crew fix that it was kind of annoying for my opponents to play against and getting this and then i made the decision to move it to cdh so there's like i disassembled niv mizzet in a way and turned it into another deck into niv mizzet so i just wanted to like reaffirm the point that there's life after death. Like, yeah. you will have reoccurring ways to play that card or the specific strategy, whatnot. It just might be in a different way. For sure. I, I think CDH is probably going to break most of these rules as well. Where it's oh, like, for sure. If it's playing the same and winning every time, good. That's a good CDH That's deck. really consistent That's fantastic. Deck. Yeah. That's partly the reason why I did want it to go CDH, because it was so consistent. Yeah. And Niv being, you know, one half of the combo being in the command zone... Oh my god. That's usually what you want to see yeah. deck, right? Like, again, this category we're in is the deck either works or it doesn't. Um, like, Godo is a still a CDH viable yep. commander because it's a win con on your commander. If you have Helm of the Host in the in the library, I won't go completely into the combo, but basically, if you have Godo, you resolve Godo, and you can equip Helm of the Host to Godo, you just win. So, yeah, CDH decks kind of break these rules a little yeah, bit. Yeah, which is yeah. normally how it goes. Yeah. So, so, we're talking mostly about casual, casual commander. commander. Um, so, yeah, like, again, there's going to be these decks that are going to feel bad. Um, it, it's also going to have this double, you kind of alluded to it already with the over on the niv Mizzet thing but when you have decks that work like this where they either work or they don't when people remove your commander it's gonna feel terrible like you always feel bad when your commander's gone but it's yeah. really gonna feel like wow i can't do anything now especially when that command attack starts to pile up and you're like okay i have to spend my whole turn paying 
12 mana for my commander just to hope I can get back to my turn. Well, this is the other thing that's going to happen is that because people recognize that your deck works when the commander's on the battlefield, they're going to remove it all the time, yeah. right? So yeah, you get this like kind of double whammy thing of you hate when your commander gets removed, but everyone wants to remove your commander. So it gets removed, which makes you hate it. So yeah. it just like goes round and round and round in circles and it's just not good. So an example of this for, for me, a deck that yeah. I actually disassembled quite recently. So a lot later than Crewfix, which was quite some time ago now. Mm. Um, my Obosh the Prey Piercer. Oh, the Rakdos Burn deck. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Obosh is a five mana creature. I think he's a Helion. He's a three five. Isn't and it Companion as well? It's got Companion. It's, it does right? have Companion. Yeah. So you can run it as a Companion. I, I had it as just as, as the Commander. So yeah. it's just a Rakdos Commander deck. Um, and if a source you control with an odd mana value would deal damage, I think anywhere... Yeah, it's not just your yeah. stuff, it's anywhere. It deals twice that much damage instead. So yeah, you, you get to build... It's a, it's actually a pretty fun deck to build, I will say, because you have to be really creative and go like, oh, what great um, spells can I cast at one mana value and three mana value and five mana value? And then you, you get to play these fun cards that then uh, have upside because you're building that way. So yeah. like Extinction Event from Ikoria. Super sick card. Yeah, so you choose yeah. odd or even, you exile each creature with that. Um, That's completely one-sided. In yeah, you, you just you don't remove anything yeah. of yours. Um, Ashling's pr- Prerogative was really fun. What's you that cho- one? So it's a two-mana enchantment. It ECBs and you choose odd or even. Um, it applies to everybody. Each creature with the chosen value, so if you choose odd, um, has haste. <laughs> each creature without the chosen value enters tapped oh that's amazing so your whole board just has haste like it's just two mana value you everything you have oh, has haste sick. and everything your opponents control is even because you never have cast an even creature all their yeah. stuff gets slowed down and i will point out as well the, the companion requirement for obosh is that everything in your deck costs odd. odd yeah so like if you're building a rakdos deck and want Obosh as the... Like, if you're building Rakdos Burn with a different commander, if you can build purely odd, you've got an extra card to use. Obosh is actually phenomenally good. It's really powerful. But... Everyone knows how powerful it is. And removes it. How many times did Obosh get hit by a murder, path Uh, to exile? Constantly. Yeah, destroy target creature. Well, and this is the other thing. I I ramped so often because I wanted to cast him early that I would have to tap out, right? Like, it would be might be turn three or turn four when I had five mana, mm. but I would tap out to cast him, and then you get three full turns where every one of your opponents is looking at Obosh and going, I know exactly what this next turn's <laughs> going to look like. And they just they just blow him up. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I've done nothing this whole game. I ramped, and I cast my commander, and my commander's gone. I am doing actually nothing right now. And it's funny as well, in Rakdos, your ramp is not great. So, like, you're, no. like if you're not ramping out, out um really really well with obosh yeah well you would just be sat there going okay cast my commander again past turn that's my entire turn mm. oh cool he died okay fantastic N- my next okay t- yeah cast my commander again hope it lives past yeah. turn <laughs> it was also because it was rakdos it wasn't it did okay at drawing cards but it wasn't great yeah and it was a really unfortunate deck to be top decking in like y- you had to have a full grip because it was chaining those spells together that made it really good and look i've seen obosh pop off and yeah. o- like obosh destroy like if obosh was on field and you had a full grip and you were ready to go you won the game on that turn yeah easily and it was easily, really easily. fun when it was yeah. working but the problem was so 
much of the time it wasn't working. Overwatch yeah. would get removed. I had like three spells in my hand. And those effects like fiery uh, anger of the gods that deals three damage to each creature yep. are just not good enough without Overwatch down. No, they become really bad. I had like, yeah, there were a lot of spells that were like that, that were like deals two damage to each opponent. And with Obosh down, that's four damage to each opponent. That feels amazing. But yeah. just like paying three mana to deal two damage to each opponent, it's pretty bad. There's right? a reason why this deck could be built on a budget. It's because most of the cards in it are shit. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they're only good with Obosh. Yeah. So like, again, it was really fun to build. But in practice, when I was playing it, it either, yeah, I, I popped off and I won and it was like so much fun. Or most of the time, I didn't really do anything, which felt really bad. Yeah, I, I think the, the decks that are the, the best to play are the ones that you could literally not cast your commander the entire game, especially in a casual format. Like if you can play your deck without casting your commander and it can win, you built a really, really good deck. Yeah. It's, that's awesome. And if it's fun to play while yeah, you're doing you're that as well, it. if just chaining your spells together that mm. are in the 99 is fun. And I, I, I'll also take it a step further and say... If when you're losing, you're having fun with your commander. Yeah, deck, that's That's huge. the sign of a really great deck, right? That's huge. Especially if you're losing in a horrific way. Like, you've been blown out of the water. Like, you've got, you know, like, you've done all, like, a typical James move, ramped out with a bunch of mana rocks, and then someone Vandal Blast, and you're like, oh, crap, okay, I've got nothing. But I'm still drawing cards that I can cast. My commander doesn't really matter in this situation. I'm still interacting with the board. I'm still having a good time with my friends. Ah, oh, I've got a good deck. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm going to keep repeating myself, but disassembling that deck that feels really inconsistent will make room for a deck like that one, yeah. where you get to have a lot of fun even when you're losing. I have right? a really good example of a deck that did that and has now made room for one of my favorite decks, Bruticlad. Oh, the precursor to Bruticlad. I think I know what you're going to say here. Dalakos Crafter of Wonders yeah. was, a, was one of the decks that I attempted so hard to build and make good because i wanted to prove that is it could do other things um <laughs> so for those that don't know dalakos crafter wonders is a really weird red blue card it's from theros beyond death um it was a very weird card to be in red and blue made sense because it did a lot with artifacts but basically dalakos is an artificer that taps for two colors i think he's one blue red to cast one blue red to cast yeah. he taps for two colors but you can only use it to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts the other thing that it said on it was equipped creatures have haste and flying what a random piece of text to it's be on an is a weird card even after playing so much more commander i still think about that guy and go like what the hell are it's, they thinking? <laughs> and also, it's a really cool-looking card. Yeah. He has, like, a really cool art because he's, like, this merfolk wizardy type dude with, like, this big um, mohawk-type fin, and he's, like, working on this, like, flying contraption, and the card's sparkly. He's got sparkly. a sword as well yeah. like, in his hand. Yeah. It's, it's a sick-looking card. And James seeing red-blue was like, oh, my God, I'm going to build this and make it good. Is it equipment done right? Spoiler alert, it worked some of the time. <laughs> like, really, really fun when it did work. Because I built the deck with two themes. The big beaters... Um, firstly, the deck was designed to generate a ton of colourless mana and mm. drop really big artifact creatures. Like, Traxos was in there. That's right, um, yeah. There was a bunch of, like, colours. I had a couple of Eldrazi's, but not a lot at the time. Probably would have been fun to build it with Eldrazi's, but there you go. Basically, the... Um, the point of the deck was to either win in two ways. It was to either slam big creatures and equip them with some really dinky little equipments 
usually ones that gave trample to make sure the damage goes over to give them flying in haste and beat face that was one strategy or the other strategy which kind of helped it get there was tapping and untapping shenanigans and we're surprised that my favorite player on game nights is Josh Lee Kwai. Like, <laughs> so, because Del- Delicose taps are two, and to activate Colorless, uh, do you can use it to ar- activate artifacts. There, there is a lot of artifacts that you can fiddle around with to get things to untap and tap again. One of my favorite planeswalkers actually ended up being in that deck with the um, Ralzarek. Um, oh yeah it was like tap one permanent untap a permanent yeah uptick yeah Yeah. and it was like i only ever used it for that the down tick his ultimate is wild by the way it's flip five coins for every coin flip you get right take an extra turn oh god i remember playing against this (laughs) (laughs) it was so like it was so uh it's just it's the classic planeswalker thing if you don't keep track of where the planeswalker is at whoopsie daisy james just untaps and starts grinning and you go oh no and then james goes i'm gonna flip these fucking coins (laughs) main phase one oh Oh, god yeah so dalakos did work because it had a strategy it had a synergy dalakos was probably one of the decks that i tinkered with only crafter one was tinkerer but like tinkered with the most because i really wanted it to work Mm. and i remember watching a lot of deck building videos and not that long after um theros came out game nights actually did an episode where jimmy played with dalakos i remember that episode yeah and he won and he won in probably one of the most impressive ways ever josh lequire was popping off going nuts and and jimmy just managed to stop him in like the most incredible way ever there was an ember cleave involved it was just it, it was just really cool i can't remember exactly but i looked at it and was like i really really want this to work and it did some of the time yeah. every other time it was like I've got a bunch of colorless mana and nothing to pump it into Mm. or nothing to cast from my hand or yeah, this creature gets flying in haste, but it's going to get blocked or killed or like it just didn't work. And like Dalakos was good in as the commander. If it got removed, it didn't matter as much as Obosh did, but it also needed to be there to make any hope of the deck work. Like if there Mm. was a creature there, the evasion was important. So I needed Dalakos back. It just, it was one of those decks that, again, yeah, either worked or it completely didn't. Get yeah. It, it, it's definitely uh, equipment decks, I've noticed, because I've got a Seguin deck. Yeah. They're, they're quite delicate because they, in order for it to work, you normally need, unless it's a Voltron deck, you normally need a bunch of equipment and also a bunch of creatures that want to have equipment on them. Yeah. And it's whenever you build a commander deck, and, and I'm sure everyone out there who's built a few decks can resonate with this. If you require multiple different types of cards for the deck to work and your commander has no way of reliably getting them, sometimes the deck's just not going to work at all. So if you, have yep. a, if you have an equipment deck that's about going wide, sometimes you'll draw all the creatures and sometimes you'll draw all the equipment and only really on the games when you get both will it work. You can get around it if, if there's like a way of getting drawing lots of cards or a way of tutoring or something, but most decks that you build where you're trying to do two things and you need cards in both of those categories, yeah. then often not going to work. And, and my my memory of Dalakos when you played it was, th- yeah, this would a happen. A pile of equipments on my playmat being like, they're ready to go. No creatures. No creatures. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I also, a memory I have of this deck that kind of uh, fits into this, you know, either working or it doesn't, is I... Remember there being, because there was this tap-untap theme, there were often games where you were, like, just kind of spinning the wheels. Oh, 100%. You were like, tap this to untap this. Put this equipment here. Tap, untap. Go to combat. Swing for three. (laughs) Woohoo! 
<laughs> yeah, baby, it's working. Yeah. So yeah, it was definitely yeah. Either worked or it didn't. A hundred percent. And it like like we alluded to earlier, the the precursor of Brutal was this deck. So when yeah. I took it apart, I found another Is It Commander, which I've already spoken about a million times, but it worked in artifacts. It was an artifact synergy that was different and unique and allowed me to play the way I wanted. So even with the death of Dalakos, which by the way, he's still in my binder if anyone wants him, um, <laughs> he's free to a good home. <laughs> um, it ca- gave birth to Brutaclad, which yeah. is one of my favorite decks to play. Yeah, I, I think we mentioned Brutaclad. It feels like almost every episode. Nearly, yeah. Um, and it's definitely, I think if I was to think of like, three or four decks that I associate most with you, Brutaclad would be in there. I think it'd be sort of like Brutaclad, Scarab God, and Nib-Mizzet probably would be my top three for you. Yeah, interesting. Yuriko probably jumps in there as well. Yeah, but it's interesting. You played Yuriko a lot when we first started playing, but lately, not so much. I think it sits at a weird power level now. Where it's almost a bit too strong for casual and not quite strong enough for high-powered. And It is, and then yeah. 90% of the time when I pull it out, those casual tables, I win really quickly. Yeah, yeah. it's happened to me a few times now. Well, I might have to look it. at um, Yuriko as possibly being disassembled or retuned oh, or something. Who knows? sad. Yeah, but, oh. but, but... It it'll, it'll make room for something, something else. else. Yep, as we're, as we're yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, I think we're the, just about done with that one, James. You already oh have a bit yeah. of paper? Sure. I'm just... Please don't hit me in the eye. Uh, oh, my oh, God. Okay. Both landed on Walt. <laughs> like, in Walt's lap. Thankfully, they just sort of <laughs> gently caressed me. It was like a gentle touch your arm fall into your lap. <laughs> it was quite... It went, like, about make. half a metre away and came back, too. <laughs> we should make paper aeroplanes. <laughs> <laughs> just bits of paper. We just throw yeah. them. Um, so... Another thing that's going to happen with decks that I think is going to make us want to disassemble them uh, is if they don't really suit our playstyle. Shout out to the playstyles episode. What the hell? This episode is such a, like, penultimate (laughs) episode. It's tying everything together. Oh, it's true. It's true. So, look, as we've alluded to there in that episode, um, there's going to be... It's going to be fun to branch out away from our typical playstyle sometimes. So what you're saying is you should play casually because you're a spike. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as I'll go. Yeah. No, it, it, as we talked about in that episode, it, it's fun to go a little bit out. But if we try and go too far out of our playstyle, we sometimes just won't have fun. Yeah. Um, and I think I've had this happen to me with a, with a commander deck before. Um, and it was my Kaikar Wins Fury deck. It's so funny that you bring this up, because you know when you just said before that, oh, I associate these decks with you, mm. weirdly, Kaikar is one of the decks that I would associate with you strongly. I think- Still. Still, to this day. I think that for you, my decks for you would probably go Azor the Lawbringer, then- Reese the Redeemed would probably be the next one, sure. and then probably Marin and Kaika. Wow, so that they're like the the OGs. The, oh like, yeah, strong they're like trainers. all my. I mean, that makes sense. I guess most of the decks yeah. I was associate with you are yeah. from back then as well. Yeah, I mean, we played a lot of Commander during lockdown, so <laughs> it makes sense. Um, this, funnily enough, this this deck, as opposed to the last category, this deck won a lot. It I was actually really good. It was pretty solid. I I kind of used as a reference point. Um, Mitch from the Commanders Quarters had done a deck tech where he'd done an anthem deck. So um, Kaikar, mm. for those who don't know, it's one and then Jeskai, so blue white red. Um, for a three three flying, I'm gonna say bird wizard. Bird That's wizard. a guess. Yeah, yeah, bird wizard. Um, whenever you cast a non creature spell, you make a one one white spirit with flying. And you can sacrifice a spirit to add red to your mana pool. So, 
you can go lots of different ways with this. I've seen a few um, like sort of Jeskai Spellslinger decks, which totally makes a lot of sense. This was an Anthem deck. Really? So, cool. yeah. Flood the board, make them big. Yeah, well, it kind of made sense, right? Like, so most Anthems are not on creatures. So they're, they're enchantments, right? So mm. they're non-creature spells. So what you would kind of get is every time you're casting an Anthem, you're making a spirit, which is being pumped by the Anthem. So before long, you're kind of ending up with like, oh, I've got these five one one spirits. Oh, hold on. They're four fours with flying. Uh, I swing at you for 20. So it was pretty strong. Um, and then there's kind of this side theme that would happen where because you can sack the spirits for red, you'd play a bunch of just like X red spells. Because you just, and like in response to a board wipe, you just- Yeah, you just kill, yeah. you just like deal 20 damage to somebody. Yeah. It was it was really strong. But the thing that was happening is it wasn't really gelling with the way that I wanted to play. It was, ended up being quite controlly because I, it was sort of- it was kind of quite delicate and it kind of wanted me to leave things up and a lot of spirits, because I kind of wanted to be spirit tribal, a lot of spirits had flash as well. Yeah. Um, it also, <laughs> I kind of wanted to build a spirit tribal deck because I pulled a drug skull captain in a mystery oh, booster. Yeah. Uh, buffs your spirits by plus one, plus one and gives them hexproof. Um, it's pretty good in, the, in your deck though. It is, it is. But the thing is, mostly the deck didn't want to play spirits, weirdly. because they wanted to use the non-creature You thing. want non-creature spells. Yeah. So so I kind of ended up in this weird spot where it was like a controlly list that was also kind of like this Mitch list and also spirit tribal, but there weren't almost any spirits in there. And I do remember you having that look on your face every time you went to your turn. It would be this really furrowed brow and you'd be thinking really hard and then sometimes you'd pass the turn irritated because you couldn't figure out the right line. And every time I'd do something, you'd be like, in response, oh, I can't think of how to do this. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It resolves. <laughs> and it, like, I think that's really testament to how frustrating this was for you as a player because it did not sit inside your playstyle at all. No, it really... But it's funny. It's kind of setting a bit like the Krufix thing again, right? Yeah. It's that, like, I, wanted, I need to do things in response, which is funny because... These days I still like that, but I think I mostly like to just do a bunch of stuff on my turn. Is kind of probably yeah. my playstyle in general. Um, yeah, it, and it, it it also sort of felt like it was kind of like that first category we we're talking about, where um, the decks always played the same. Where because every non-creature spell made a spirit, and the spirits were flying, and almost no one had flying blockers, it did kind of feel like the deck almost played itself and played yeah. itself in a similar way every time. Where it was kind of just like, yeah, I'll just play anthems, and eventually I'll leave up counter spells. But mostly, I just play anthem, play anthem, play anthem. Okay, my spirits are five fives. Take twenty five. Oh, you're dead. Sorry. Bye bye. <laughs> honestly, like I said, it's a really good deck, and I remember being very upset when you took it apart. I and I actually that. bought Kaika off you. You did. It's you were like you still were, in my binder. Wow. You. I remember you being really adamant that you were like, I really like the way that this was played, and I want to play something like that. Well, funny. not only that, I think it was the perfect blend of Walt and James's playstyles put together because it had all the right pieces of our playstyles and the way we like to play. It had tribal for you. You love building tribal decks. I do. You love tokens. You love buffing stuff, like going wide and then making them beefy. So it had all that, but then it had this really cool fast mana generation and responsing, uh, responding, always having an answer, always having mana available for mm. me. And it was like this perfect in the middle. And it was perfect. Perfect of our colours too. It had the white in there for you, had the red and blue for me. Like <laughs> it, it, Perfect our colours. Two for me and one for <laughs> Walt. <laughs> 
Actually, that's not true. I, I do play a lot of red as well. So you do play a lot of that's red. That's probably our overlap, right? The red. Yeah. You go you go the red, blue, I go the white, red, probably. Which is weird, because when you put red, white together, it's Boros, which isn't you at all. No. But, like, Selesnia is, like, tokens building, growing that for yeah. you. But you do have a lot of red in your decks. Yeah, you do. I do. I, th- I think I remember doing the maths recently, because I every now and then I'd get curious and I'd work out, like, how many commanders i had of each color so like meron would be black and green oh so that's a one tick in each yeah yeah, yeah. and azor would be white and blue and for a while um around the middle when i had sort of six or seven decks green was like really strongly represented of course but then of course i ended up kind of being like oh i kind of want to try artifacts and i kind of want to try um yeah like boros equipment and like all this other stuff and so the Red last time up. <laughs> yeah the last time i did it actually white is my most played Color. I'm not surprised. Followed closely by red, and then green was shortly behind. Mm. Um, black was my be, least played. Color, yeah, it'd actually. be blue then black for yeah. sure for you. Because I built two blue decks recently: the the Kaza and the Tiger. Yeah. What do you think mine? I think interestingly, I blue would probably be number one. Blue would be number one. I actually think black would probably be before red. I think maybe? it would be because I have I have Scarab God and Yuriko in Demir, and then I have Zaxara and Liesa is a really another one of my favorite yeah. black decks. So We're, I think black is really up there. Yeah. Whereas the card, the decks that are red but not black would be Firelath, Brutaclad. I reckon they'd be pretty close. Grixis is definitely like comfortably ahead of green and white. Like <laughs> very. Just, comfortably. I'm now thinking like on a percentage, it would probably be like. 80% Grixis, 20% Celestia. Oh, I, I reckon if we were going, like, what percentage of James's decks contain one of blue, black, or red, I reckon it would be, like, 85%. Do any of my decks not have that requirement? Right. Can you think of any? So, they'd have, well, they'd have to be... It has to be either... Oh, green um, or white. Siona. Siona is green and white. Which you play. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But look, we're getting a bit sidetracked here. Yes. But like, Kaikar was one of those decks that had a really good way of playing and it, it, it fit. And like, I literally bought the card off you because I was like, this is such a good place. It's winning. It's doing interesting stuff. It doesn't win the same all the time. It's, it's doing different things. Oh, it's so good. And you're sat there like, this just isn't me. No. I, I'm so bored of this. Yeah. It, it was funny. It was just like the kind of deck that, and I actually saw a tweet recently yesterday, weirdly, when I'd already written the, the, the plan for this episode um, I think it was Rachel Weeks or someone that I follow who plays Commander on yeah. Twitter tweeted, how do you know it's time to say farewell to a deck? And oh. I was like, what? Weird. I literally <laughs> just wrote an episode for this. Anyway. Um, so and- Rachel Weeks, if you're out there. Hi, how you yeah, doing? <laughs> thanks so much, Rachel. Um, there was a there was a comment that was like one of the top ones from um, Olivia... Um, oh, I blanked on her last name. Oh, Vampire Player. Yeah, Olivia... Oh, uh, anyway, you, you'd know She's a her. streamer, she's on Game Yeah, Nights, she's, she's, she's... Affinity Artifacts is her Twitch channel. She yeah. plays uh, loads of Commander. Um, she's also great. really cool. Olivia <laughs> Gobert Hicks. There we go. Olivia Gobert no. Hicks. Um, she, she replied and said, when you don't reach for the deck anymore, when, it's, oh. when you've got, you know, your three or four decks that you're bringing to Commander Night or to your pod, and it's not the one you're reaching for. And I thought, that's so interesting, because Kaika... I had fun when I played it, like, most of the time. There were some times mm. where it wasn't so fun, and it kind of didn't suit my playstyle. But also, importantly, if that was a- alongside three of my other decks, it didn't even matter what those other decks were. You'd I'd always reach for the other three. Yeah. I'd, I'd always leave Kaikar on the side, and I think that is a good sign that it's time to time to say bye to it. Do, do you have a have a deck that's that's kind of like my Kaikar, where you 
built it and then realized, oh, this isn't really me. Or... I do, yeah. And it's funny because I built it trying to be like you, which is funny. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you building a lot of tribal decks and decks with themes. I was like, okay, I want to try doing this. And I, I had a card in my collection that I got from a mystery booster. And at the time, she was bonkers expensive. I think she was like 25, 30 bucks. Marchessa. Um, oh, Queen Marchesa, the, Queen Marchesa, the Mardu yeah. one, yeah, not, yeah. Not the Black Rose, or the, the yeah, the Grixis one, the Grixis one, the Black Rose, I think. Yeah, the, this yeah. is the Mardu one, the, the one that Queen Marchesa ETBs makes you the monarch at the beginning of your upkeep. If you're not the monarch, you create a one-one um, death touch haste. Yep, pretty good commander. It's got a lot of value stable to it. It's got the monarch me- uh, mechanic in it. Awesome. Yep. Walt built this recently. Walt did a, build it recently. The Goth Tribal deck, <laughs> and I actually I got to play it the other night. Oh, actually. you did. I rocked up to the store and was like, "I don't have a deck. Um, can I can I grab one of yours?" And I actually and you, offered him four, and I was like, "This one, bye." <laughs> I didn't even look at. I can't even remember what the other ones were. Nah. Had a great time playing it, by the way. Yeah. Really well made. It's like Thank you. I know that you built the deck with your partner in mind, and everything had to be approved by her and. But even then, even with that insane restriction on it, it really had a strategy. It played super cleanly. I was shocked. I, I felt like I was kind of building it so slightly suboptimally when I was um, no, building it. But all. yeah, when when you actually pull it out, I think it's the kind of deck that didn't goldfish very well. Like it, yeah. on when you're kind of trying all the cards on your own, it didn't really seem like it made sense. But then when you put it at a table, because the, the way the Monarch works... Yeah. It suddenly was, like, so much so stronger. Good. Yeah. yeah, and then, like, the politics of it is super cool. Yeah. Really good deck. My Marchessa deck, though, I was so eager to build a theme and a tribe, and I was like, Queen Marchessa, what should it be? Oh, the Queen has knights. I'll build knight tribal. Uh. And we actually, funnily enough, just got out of, um, I think it was Throne of Eldraine, was just the set, like, yeah. recently printed. Yeah. And there was actually, weirdly, quite a lot of knights in that, because it was that Heaps fairy tale. Yeah. There's a fairy tale set, lots of knight tribal stuff going on. And because I was going to a lot of drafts, I had quite a lot of the cards. So I was like, all right, cobbled it together, had some uh, acclaimed contender in it, which, like, ETBs, you look at the top six, get a knight or something like that. Yeah. Lots of cards that worked really well together. Did they synergize with the commander? No. Like, <laughs> it, and, like, the other thing was, like, I love holding up answers and responding and generally play outside of combat. Combat's one of those things that I'm like, okay, I've got reconnaissance mission. I could draw a card here. That's how I view combat. I don't, <laughs> An opportunity uh, to draw cards. Yeah, I yeah. don't view combat as, like, a win con all the time. Some of my decks do, but not all the time. Mm. And it didn't fit my play style at all. I found myself literally, half, like, forcing myself to empty my hand and leave no mana available because that's what the deck wanted to do. Mm. Surprise, surprise, um, Boros, uh, sorry, Mardu does not want to respond a lot. It 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 wants to be big, beaty, suit him up, swing, and it honestly bored the shit out of me, like, to put it, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Look, compared to some of the other decks that we've talked about where I think we've both sort of remember fondly the, the decks... Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I, I don't really remember this deck fondly. It was like it was was Boring. cobbled together from your from your collection, admittedly. Yeah. But yeah, like the strategy wasn't very strong, and it it really didn't suit you. Like when you do combat and it's fun for you, it's usually kind of like in the same way that I do, you know, spell slinger, and I do control in like a Walt tokens yeah. go wide way. When you do combat, you do it in a responsy way. Yeah, so, or like, there's like laugh- chances, or like yeah, fire laugh is combat in a really weird way because you can send damage direct to face or in the middle of combat you can sacrifice stuff yeah I think like last episode you were talking about how you yeah. love your like fling effects and you love your greater good and stuff like that but you're Gishap already as thinking well. like Gishap, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's it, when it deals damage there's like this weird mini game you get to play in the middle of I hope I hit a dinosaur <laughs> like <laughs> I don't like combat where it's just simple alright go to damage it resolves 
Second main, I've already cast everything, past turn. Yeah. That is so dull. I cannot, like, expect... <laughs> and, like, I've, I've had a look on EDH Rec, and Knight Tribal, weirdly, as a theme, uses Marchessa, Queen Marchessa, as a commander quite a lot. I have seen it, yeah. I think it's because she creates death touch blockers, which is always good for a deck that swings. Mm. She also has a card draw mechanic staple to her, and a card draw mechanic that cares about combat damage. you got to get the, like, the Monarch, to, to draw a card in your end step. And admittedly, Mardu is not fantastic at drawing cards, so she's a good value card stapled to her. But I think if I went about this deck again, I would build it completely different. I'd, if I went Night Tribal, I'd go Night Tribal, but I would really rethink how the deck worked and what the other cards that I include in, if there's like any flash that I could play or any mm. combat tricks. I think there's plenty to do now. Like that Samurai from uh, the Kamigawa set, when if... if an attack trigger triggers an ability, it doubles. Oh, Ishin. Ishin, yeah. yeah. It, it, maybe that could be a fun thing to play with. For sure. Like, I might be able to rebuild it in a funner way because I now have three copies of Queen Marchesa in my binder. Oh, my Lord. Just randomly. I know I, I was talking my binder out the other day and it was just like, oh, cool, I've got three of these. I have two captivating vampires. Didn't know they're like thirty dollars each. I was like, "Wow, well, I don't remember they came from." Yeah, spoiler alert: go through your binder, you'll find some bombs. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and I, honestly, I disassembled this deck pretty quick. I, mm. I, I built it and then did not upgrade it. It got disassembled that quickly. Yeah, it, it, and again, it was because it it just didn't suit you. No, it um, wasn't me. And it 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 it's as we keep on saying, it it made room for more other stuff, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think a lot of those. Um, you know, black and white staples probably eventually ended up in your Liesa deck, which is way more you. Ghostly Prison is in my Liesa deck that yeah. was in that deck originally. And yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Queen Marchessa turned into Liesa. Yeah, and yeah. that was... Uh, we can confidently say that was an upgrade for you, right? You have oh, way more fun playing that deck. Yeah. If you Cruel, cruel man. <laughs> if you've never played <laughs> against my Liesa deck, if you don't know the oh. card... Um, she is a phenomenal 5-5 five, five flying lifelink angel that costs 5. I think it's 2 white, white, black, or 2 black. That's black. An, I think it's white, white, black. White, white, black. Yeah. Now, she reads, anytime a player, including you, casts a spell, they lose 2 life. And instead of paying command attacks, you pay 2 life to for each command attacks that you have on her to cast her out of the command zone. So she comes out a lot. The way I built the deck is death and taxes. Light on the taxes, heavy on the death is how I like to call it. It's, it's. I'd like to point out that James did a little, like, almost a little curtsy as he said that. Light on the taxes, heavy on the death. It's honestly, and like, this is how I like to introduce it to the table because I want to make it seem like it's not one of those stack decks because it's mm. not. It's death by a thousand cuts for sure. I built the deck to be heavy on life gain and then just a lot of kind of pillow 40 type effects and let my opponents slowly kill themselves. It's shocking how quickly it adds up. Yeah. That two life per spell. And yeah. it's really fun too because there's other ways the deck can win. I found that black is really good at generating a ton of mana in a turn. So mm. I have you, off, you have a few ways to tutor lands, I know for sure, and correct. you often get Urborg and Cabal or Coppers. Cabal Coppers. Yeah, it, that's a recent upgrade that only happened this year. Oh um, wow, really? Yeah. So I was playing the deck for like two years without it, and it yeah. Because oh, you you also have the one where Swamps tap for twice as much, right? That creature Crypt that's Gust, got extort. Yeah, Cryptgast. That's so one. you can get like a lot of mana. For so sure. things like Debt to the Deathless. Oh, what a way to end the game! Oh, I think you got an Exsanguinate in that deck as well. Don't I you? took Exsanguinate out. Did you really? Funnily enough, because wow. I was like, because it kept winning with the big mana splashy spell right and i was like that's not I, it's a good way to win 
but I don't want to win with it all the time. I mm. want people to die. I want the game. And <laughs> if you're out there, Johnny, listening, I played the, one of the first ever games I played with Emily Asa. I was playing against one of our community members, Johnny, who was playing a Rograk deck. I can't remember what the pairing was, but it was... It's probably Rograk and... Arden. Arden. The yeah. one that suits up a, a whole bunch of equipment for free. Yeah, so you slide them all on Rograk and swing. It was a good deck. However, yeah. I, <laughs> I killed all these creatures and he had a bunch of um, equipment on the on the field. I put him to one life and passed the turn. So, and I had Liesa on field, so if he cast a spell, he died. <laughs> and... I refused. It was so funny. I mean, thankfully, Johnny was a real good sport and it was funny. It wasn't as cruel as it might come across because he was laughing. I was laughing. Johnny, if you comment that it's totally different and it was cruel, you had the option to concede. I apologize. But yeah, I just left him on one and any time he cast a spell, he'd die. Evil. Absolute (laughs) evil. Well, look, I I hope that going on that deep dive on the Acer has shown you all that, yeah, James is happy to have disassembled as much as a deck and made that instead. Yeah, I played like, what, 30 games with that Queen my chaser deck and it's gone and now I've played 100 games of Liesa and it's so much more fun. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think it's worth um, hopping in here and explaining what we would recommend you do if you are going to disassemble a deck, yeah. right? Because um, I hope this encourages you to disassemble at least one of your deck. Maybe not now, but eventually... At some point, especially if you're going to be making lots of them, you're going to want to do it, right? Because instead of that deck collecting dust, it could be ha- making you have fun at the game store with your friends. Yeah, and that, that's going to be the first thing I'm going to yeah. recommend for sure. It's like, especially if it's a deck that fits a theme that you like, but the deck itself isn't fun. So like lands, for instance, if you yeah. go lands, like my lands deck at the moment is Rada, um, Heart of Keld, which is like a very Voltron lands deck. And I do like it, but I'm actually going to be disassembling that to make room for Averna, the Chaos Bloom. So cool. It's so weird. <laughs> it's a, it's, um, a teamer deck. Um, when you cascade, you can play lands from the cards that you cascade. Yeah. It's very strange. It's bizarre, but um, I can't wait to see it. It's I got very a peak wild. of the list. I got, I got a peak of the list earlier today and I'm very keen to see it. Very yeah. keen to see it. Yeah. So it's often going to be how you're going to want to do it, I think. You, you're going to want to be less so focused on how much you don't like the deck that you're playing and more focused on how fun the deck you're going to be building yeah. is. So if you find a commander that plays that theme like lands that you want to be playing but it looks way more fun than yours just swap it like it doesn't cost you anything right also keep an eye on like sets that come out and if there's a commander that suits because like sometimes your your deck will have such a specific theme like um for example shrines is a really good example a new shrine commander just like goshintai came out and all of a sudden shrine decks popped off because all those kind of okay shrine decks i mean a lot of them use sisse which you use as your shrine deck yeah still left it as sisse it's it's still really good and it's still great to tutor with and all that kind of stuff but go shintai oh my god oh it pops up it goes crazy it's an objectively better shrines commander so like keep an eye on the new commanders coming out it might replace one of your current ones absolutely there's so many legendary creatures that they print these days so you're gonna be spoiled for choice for sure um so we've i think we've covered that a lot talking about (laughs) building new decks from our old ones but let's say you are disassembling it and you you're not immediately transitioning it into another deck um what, what, what would you do do you reckon with the cards like what's your kind of like let's imagine you're disassembling your my chaser deck what's what's kind of the process you're going through when you're there's two there's it? two options it's it's right. am i going to use this card again yeah um yes or no um if i am 
fantastic. I'll put it in my storage or maybe put it because the way I build decks is I usually have like, I actually in my bedroom, I have this like long desk thing and I have this pile of cards for decks I'm thinking about building and they're kind of sorted in a stack of like, okay, I'm thinking about building Bear Force 1 at the moment. So there's a stack of green cards on my desk right. that's just sat there. It's like so, bears and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So if I disassemble a deck and I've got a card that I'm like, oh, it kind of suits this idea that I'm building, I'll put it in that pile. Fantastic. Put it in your storage box. If you don't want to use it again, slam that shit in a trade binder. Get rid of it. If yeah. anyone wants a Queen Marchessa or a Dalakos <laughs> Crafter of Wonders, hit me up. <laughs> James has said he's got you covered. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's worth mentioning that when you do put these cards in your binder, especially the more expensive ones, you're probably going to trade for a card that you are going to have fun with, right? That's how you... Tra- have you ever traded for a card you didn't want? Yeah, okay, look, maybe it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious, like, <laughs> You, you are going to get rid of a card you don't need, you don't want. That's the whole basis of this trading card game is you. this doesn't fit what you're doing. Give it to someone that it might fit what they're doing and see what they've got. This is also a really good strategy for trading. And I think we should do a whole episode on trading, personally. Um, it's probably a whole podcast series. There's probably 10 episodes that you could talk about. Probably, but yeah. I have a hot tip for traders out there. If you have a card that you don't like, but you know it's worth some money, and if it fits in a certain strategy, let's say it just came out of your lands deck, for, like Crucible of Worlds. Let's say you had a Crucible of Worlds, and you've just taken it out of the deck because you've disassembled it, and then you think back, oh, I was at the store the other day, and someone was playing a lands deck. They don't have a Crucible of Worlds. Hit them up. Go to the yeah. store and be like, hey, I've got a Crucible of Worlds. Do you want it? Have a look at their binder. See what you can do. If you've got cards that you know someone will enjoy, go get them that card because you're always going to get something in return. For sure. And I think it when you trade with people that you often play with, whether it's your, yeah, like in our case, the people at our game store or for other people, it's their play group. Those are the ones you really remember because then you get to see the card that you remember in someone else's deck and it's great in their deck and they're having fun and they get the exact same experience from your deck, right? They see your Crucible of Worlds and go, hey, I traded you that Crucible of Worlds. That's mine. And it's like, well, it's not yours anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They're not trying to steal it back from you, I hope. Um, but there's yeah. there's heaps of cards that even me and you have just done that with in private. Like um, Arcanus the Omnipotent was uh, one that I remember yeah. I got from you that I put in Niv Mizzet way back in the day because yeah. it's tap, draw three cards. It's true. It's, it's true. Awesome. I'm, I'm struggling to think of other ones where like you traded them to me. Uh, I remember some trades that in hindsight were not good value anymore. Like, really? <laughs> I remember I traded, uh, it was actually your partner at the time, but I traded them for Recruiter of the Guard. Mm. And I think I traded away Obnixilus and Runescard Demon. Yeah. In hindsight, Runescard Demon's great. Obnixilus, not so good. Recruiter of the Guard is now like $45 and it's really strong. What a trade. What yeah. a trade. I also remember I traded you a Jessica's Will back in the day and that is always oh, kept climbing it was a borderless jessica's will james was it really it was oh my that, god how it, much is that worth now it's like 50 bucks and at the time i probably would have given it to you for 15 20 it was i think it was more like five man. oh my god uh, i feel so bad in hindsight looking back at that but it's what they were worth at the time buy me a beer it's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh I every time you see it though you'll remember that i that's, do uh, that's is it in a deck had. what deck is it in it's in krenko which oh, I that makes a lot play. of sense yeah, yeah never play it anyway so that's 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 basically the tips, right? We sort of yeah. covered the the ways that we 
um, the, the reasons we might want to disassemble our decks and then what, what you would do with them if you did it. Um, I, I just want to emphasize again for the last time that, um, you know, th those pet cards and those pet decks that you are attached to but you're not having a blast with, they're the things that are in the way of you building that next really creative deck, that n really strange deck, that really um you deck that you want to build yeah. so let you know get them out of the way and and don't let uh this bad deck get between you and your next fun one and mourn for an appropriate period of time and move on like <laughs> <laughs> like seriously it, you know it, you will feel bad disassembling decks sometimes you'll have friends that really don't want you to disassemble the decks because they love it for whatever reason like walt with kaika I did not want you to disassemble that because I thought it was so good, but I'm glad you did because it it gave birth to new things and, you know, it moved the card into my trade binder. <laughs> <laughs> Is this just the trade episode? That seems to be the, the I feel like we're probably going to reference this when we do get around to yeah. doing a trade episode. Maybe we will. Sure. Maybe we will. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. And, and uh, for you guys out there, have you disassembled any of your commander decks? And did you end up having more fun afterwards? Like, which of your decks did they those decks become uh yeah. and what did you do with the cards where'd they go who's got them now i, I want to hear all about it yeah i really want to specifically hear about decks that you tried and hated for whatever reason i want i want to know that i'm not alone in my marchessa story that there are other people that went out and went oh, i love this style played it once and went fuck this <laughs> <laughs> this so much yeah. um, i also want to remind everybody that we've got our q a episode is next episode oh, i'm so excited it's so soon now um please get your questions in. we've got a stack of them already we're super excited to look at them i've got so many that i'm looking at and i'm going i cannot wait to read this and to to answer this on the podcast so please if you have anything else you want us to to say um comment on the soundcloud uh video uh, so the recording uh comment on the youtube we'll add it to our list um you can also message us directly on facebook if you are friends with us on facebook um and again anything that we don't cover uh in that q a episode is very likely to become its own full podcast yeah. episode so please get us those questions uh we want to know what you guys are thinking about we want to know what you guys want from us so let us know I'm so excited for this because I feel like it's going to be a very easy episode to run through because it's just us being like this question. Let's chit chat. Um, it, it's also, we've got nothing planned for season two. Like I'm saying like our seasons are 10 episodes. We're ending on a and I feel like that's a good way of running our sure. season by season. We've got nothing planned officially. So this is season two planning of our podcast and we're so excited. And while I'm on the, the topic of um, the podcast... As I mentioned in the last episode, we are working with someone who I'm not going to mention yet. Um, this amazing local company that we're going to be working with to get this distributed to Apple Music and podcasts and Spotify podcasts and where else. So when that happens, please spread it far and wide. And episode 10 might look and sound a little bit different. I'm not going to say anything yet. Just... Potentially. Get, we'll, get see, we'll see how get we go. Keen. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's going to be really exciting. We're really looking forward to it. Uh, as is tradition, James, uh, play of the week. This happened two days ago. Um, oh, wow. Legitimately, I knew exactly the moment that I was like, okay, this is, this is my play of the week for the podcast. Because Great. it was a three-player game, which, by the way, usually I now only play four-player commander. Probably because of lockdown, all those three-player games that we play, yep. you and your partner, yeah. Specifically, um, three-player games always end up in Arch Enemy. Five-player games always end up being six hours long. Six-player games, you feel like you're falling asleep at the table. <laughs> um, Eight-player games are people that hate themselves and their friends. <laughs> like, anything out of four-player, I just kind of go, this isn't right. No, right? I agree. 
Um, by the way, a one-on-one commander, very weird format to play. Um, mm. But I'm not sure if you guys have seen this. If this episode gets out in time, Post Malone is doing a 1v1 competition. Have you seen this? Yeah, I think the winner gets a hundred grand. That's so cool. I'll throw down with you, Posty. Come on. Like, <laughs> like if you're listening to this um, and this episode's, you know, years past and we ended up making it and we're big <laughs> in the circuit now. Post Malone, if you hear this challenge me bring it, one. Bring um, it up. I'll put 10 bucks on the line you can throw the 100k down <laughs> uh, wow 100 100k 10 dollars prize pool yeah it's big nice big. <laughs> so this happened a couple of days ago and basically it was myself theo and butters in our community if you don't know butters his name's real name is jacob um i call him butters and every time i say jacob it feels weird so butters is his name um, now, Butters was playing Derevi, which we actually did mention in this podcast, the uh, commander that gets around command attacks. Yeah, we did, yeah. Because Derevi has this incredible ability that just is one and Bant, which is white, green, blue, put Derevi on the battlefield from the command zone. Who thought this would be a good idea? It's like- even more dumb than Yuriko, because Yuriko has a requirement. That sh- there has to be an unblocked attacking creature for you to ninjutsu her in. Derevi? Nope. Not. Just put, just don't pay command attacks. Just don't do it. It's not even, it's not even Liesa where you have to pay life. It just says, never ever pay command attacks. Oh, I hate it. I think it's so stupid. I'm it's glad they don't so do things dumb. like that anymore. And it's an ability. Instant speed, baby. Uh, so dumb. You can just activate that from the command. It's, look, it's one of those it. commanders that was printed at a time where Wizards thought Commander was a dumb, stupid format that wouldn't <laughs> amount to anything, and the weird, diehard fans would play it. Wizards, this is now your main source of revenue. Stop doing this. <laughs> um, please, for the love of God. Please. Um, anyway, so that that's partly the reason why this was Play of the Week. It's what Jacob did with this. Um, funnily enough, he didn't win. So this was one of the commander games that everyone dreams of. Everyone is close to winning. Great. I was playing Brutaclad, funnily enough. Theo was playing um, Streffen. Have you played against their Streffen deck? Is that the Vampires one? The, the Rakdos Blood one? Yes, with yeah, blood. So you, yeah. you, when, when Streffen attacks, you can sacrifice two blood, drop a vampire that's tapped in attacking. And it's indestructible. Correct. Like yeah. The deck's Super cool. really strong, it's too. It's bonkers. If, it, if you let them, if you let Theo play this deck with you, do not let them get out of hand. Nope. Because <laughs> Don't do it. you will end up with a board full of vampires, and usually they've got a, like 19 plus one counters on them for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, it gets just, out of hand. Just don't let them do it. Um, anyway awesome awesome decks awesome play styles i had some really cool synergies going on i had um my uh uh, import i can't remember what the card's called it's a four mana artifact when etbs prototype portal i think the name is when etbs you imprint a creature card from your hand then you pay x where x is the converted mana cost of the card imprinted and you create a token copy of that Uh, creature ah you see where it's going with brutalite it's phenomenal it's so I had Worm Coil Engine under there. What? <laughs> James playing Worm Coil Engine in his Brutaclub deck? Uh, Say it ain't so. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was really fun. Then I was doing some wild things with that. Then I got Desolation Twin out. Whoa. Uh, I was making tokens of Desolation Twin. I had some really crazy stuff going on. Theo was just literally slowly, slowly building a board. Like, Theo was playing fairly. Butters and I were like slamming combos and doing this and that and all this kind of. They was like, all right, drop this vampire. This one gives plus one counters whenever it deals damage. And slowly but surely, Theo's board was like five flyers with eighteen plus one counters on them. Oh my word! Now, the the end of the game, it was like 
20 minutes for this one turn rotation because there was so much math and responding going on. Basically, what Butters had set up was this amazing kind of infinite engine with Derevi, um, Phyrexian Altar, and Displacer Kitten. Oh. And... Okay. And uh, Silvala, the one that parlays. Okay. So, Interesting. stick with me. Okay. <laughs> the, I can't remember exactly... But as you're probably going to have to comment um, how this combo specifically works. But basically, they sacked Derevi to the altar, generating a mana. But... But has had the dictate of Karametra down, which doubled lands. So okay. So had tap for twice as much. Correct. Yeah. Bounce land, pretty good, generating a lot of mana. Great. When Derevi ETBs, there's an untap trigger. Derevi ETBs and can untap a target permanent. Yeah. So he could untap a bounce land and Silvala, and then use Displacer Kitten to flicker Derevi if he needed to, to get to it to happen again. again. Correct. The other thing that was really crucial was he had an Aura Shards on field. Oh! Yeah, so he... So Aura Shards is the one white-green enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may destroy target artifact your enchantment. Correct. Yeah, that card's crazy good. Yeah, and one that anyone playing Brutaclad quivers at. Yeah. Like, shivers. It's horrible. So, like, my board annihilated. Like, I've really been sent back to the Stone Age because of this weird loop. Butters was digging and digging and digging and digging, couldn't find the way to win, passed the turn to me. I managed to rebuild pretty effectively, but that specific... My turn, there was a situation where I put something on the stack. Oh, I know what it was now. It was, um, I cast a Thieving Skydiver and tried to steal the Phyrexian Altar. Because okay, that stops great. the... Stop the combo. It yeah. stops the loop. This ridiculous six-card combo loop. <laughs> In response to that, Butters did a bunch of stuff. In response to that, I did a bunch of stuff. In response to that, and it just kept going and going and going. This stack was like, we let things resolve, and then we'd respond again, and it would just like constantly shorten and grow. It was such a complicated piece of math and making sure the stack worked and all this kind of stuff. We probably made a mistake, but it was so much fun. There was so much math going on. Theo, in the meantime, there was something that was allowing them to draw a bunch of cards, right? They had a bunch of cards in hand, um, both Butters and I couldn't win, so I passed the turn to Theo. Okay. Oh my god, we forgot about all those flying vampires. <laughs> so, this insane combo battle between Butters and I was very quickly brought to a halt by a lot of flying attackers. Now, it wasn't straight up Theo wins. Okay. There was so many pieces that Theo had to get right here, and it was actually one of those points where we were like, we're so invested in how this game works. Is there a way that Theo can win? So we right. all kind of looked at Theo's hand. Tried to, like, brainstorm it together. Yeah, it's often like that towards the end of the game. Yeah, right? and, and honestly, I'm glad we did, because I said, no, nah, you can't do it. I think I've got enough blockers and butters will win on his turn and blah, 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 blah. Exaxes. <gasps> on both of you? On both of us. Oh, my God. Exaxes on both of us. I can't remember the specific turn of events, but it was like, a bedevil to get rid of this specific creature to stop this specific loop. Um, a, a murder to destroy this. Like, literally using every single one of their resources down to the last basic land was tapped. Wow. All creatures must have swung. And what, I think one of the reasons that it, it got there in the end was because they had Olivia Baldaren, which brought back one vampire oh, from the bin. It and it was yeah. like some dumb 2 3. It was tiny, and it was but just was enough. enough to get wow. there. Like, I had to look through the hand, and I was like, no way you can do this. You don't have enough damage. 
two damage, and then it was Exaxis. Wow. Good stuff, Theo. So cool. So nice. Shout out to A Butters for assembling a dumb six card play, which was ridiculously hard to interact with, and condolences for it not winning. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Theo for actually winning the game fair and square with vampires. Special Walt shout out to Theo for ignoring value and just bonking face. That's yeah. that's that's I'm so proud. Yeah. I, I could not be more proud. <laughs> On behalf of me and the the, the Selesnia Guild, uh, we're proud of you. It's so whoa, Selesnia player commenting a Rakdos player on fair play. What a weird thing to think about. Look, we we have more in common than you might think. I don't want to know the things you have in common. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's just about it. Uh, we we can't wait for that Q and A episode. Please get those questions in. We're going to throw this last bit of Ready? paper. Oh, oh my god, okay. that was very aggressive. Every, I apologize. Every bit of paper wants to attack me. Apparently. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.